listening to The Breakfast Show, where Blake and Lawson are in different countries doing the same show at the same time with producer Shell, uh, giving us all the skill set that we need to be technically connected. Mm-hmm. Lawson, I need some clue action over there. I see just a giant smile on your face. I can see it. If I can see the smile on Zoom, it's a big smile. What are you smiling about? I was just imagining, like, imagine if we didn't have shell and then we needed to do this show and we were just like, all right, everyone, there's going to be no radio. Just jump into a zoom call. Once you get in your car to drive to work or something (laughs) like that, just everyone just come and get in the zoom call and stay muted so we can do radio. And then I'd (laughs) play like, I'd I'd play piano like during the song breaks because I wouldn't have the ability to do anything. So I'd just be out there like, you know, playing piano and would be doing our own music. This actually sounds a lot more like you have kind of almost fantasized about this as well, too, in between the breaks. No, no, it's not, it's just not a fantasy of mine to be a famous musician. It's just, it's just something that I've thought about a lot in a positive way. Is that a fantasy? Is that okay? Never, never mind. Uh, let's have another clue for the quiz. What number am I? We're getting easier and easier. And right now, we've got for 200 points, the number of times God inscribed his commandments on tablets of stone for Moses. Oh. This actually, this is tricky. The number of times. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. What number am I? The number of times God inscribed His commandments on tablets of stone. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Our amazing prize for this week, by the way, is the incredible conflict of the ages series, which we will be drawing tomorrow. So today's the second last day. Tomorrow will be the last day. The last opportunities to get entries in so just send it go for it go for the big points even though we're, we're up to 200 now if you haven't got in yet try and get in 0491-064-669 all right we've got some text messages here oh let's go uh we've i'm just scrolling down there's quite a few text messages actually hopefully i'm getting these correct all right so we've got <laughs> uh, I, Brett, I think that's the wrong answer. So I'm, I apologize, <laughs> but it's a good guess. Freco, also the wrong answer. Do you know what the good... answer is, Blake? Uh, wait, I'm what holding... did you? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's okay, the answer. Okay. Well, that's what I thought it was. <laughs> we went quiet on the radio. Like, everyone's like, uh, what's happening uh... here? We're just doing a little <laughs> Zoom and communication. He's doing some between. sign language. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, Freco texts in. Yeah, this is what I was talking about before, and I kind of tend to agree. He says most of the young cannot spell or add numbers. The internet is making the brain weak. I I, I agree. I think that nah, we. I, I don't agree. I I think we've become um, too dependent upon our phones and too dependent upon technology. Uh, now. Not to say that coding and programming is not something that's very difficult and it requires a lot of intelligence to do. I'm just saying the dependence level on technology is pretty frightening, to be honest. I I have to disagree. Like, 
agree to disagree. I, I think that there's been definitely a drop in literacy as as due to I believe like to distractions and like I, I just think it's bad parenting as to why that's taken place. But a lot of the time when you see like a a drop in mathematical ability or literacy, like we live in a different world. Like at the same time as you say, oh, you know, we could read and, and write and add up so much better back in the day. But when we were walking uphill to school in the snow both ways. Yeah, that's right. You could do all those things. But did you have the ability to like because a lot of people that have grown up in this generation that's so stupid and dumb is making the technology that we're using now to broadcast around the world, which is something that was you, we were unable to do before. So, so like open AI and chat GPT, we've never had, we've talked about this. We've never had technology like that before. It's spearheaded and made by young people who quote unquote can't add up and can't read. So, so I'm, you're, you're just fighting against the young hate. That's yeah. My, my point is that like, I, I totally see the value in, in arithmetic, I totally see the value of being able to read. I believe it's the way that we connect with God. If we can't read, if we can't comprehend what the word of God says, but also I think God does a work through his Holy spirit and on our hearts to be able to read, to comprehend, to understand his word. Definitely. I think that study is incredibly important. I think that all these things are important, but to say, Oh, because you can't add numbers up in your head, you're an idiot. Like this whole generation is stupid. I think Well, no one said that. I so think you know. that well, a lot of people, a lot of people say that. Okay, and I'm sick of them saying it. <laughs> I know. I can hear. I can hear. Because it's not true. It's but here's not the thing, Watson. You're not young anymore. You're getting old. Yeah, man. I just turned sixteen. You're getting old, really. old, old. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm 24, so I'm. But I was born in '98, so I'm kind of in the middle. I'm not a millennial, and I'm not really a Gen Z. I'm kind you're of. Old. The lost, the lost I'm like baby, Zillennial, You know, I'm in the crossover period. Zillennial. Yeah, I've that's never right. Heard that word. And so Zillennial. I identify, I identify with both sides. I think I end up identifying with Gen Z more because I think a lot of millennials are really cringe. So you're transgenerational. That that now when Answer that word came out of your mouth at first, I was a bit shocked. But sure, I will, I will cop the title of transgenerational. Wow, right here live on Faith FM. That's that's getting pretty wild. Uh Sherry texts in, uh, you got the answer correct, Sherry. So good work. Congratulations. Uh, Julia, you also got the answer correct. Uh you, you well, no, yeah, I'm gonna give it to you. Yeah, you definitely got the answer correct on that one. <laughs> Jake texts in <laughs> sorry. It was it was questionable because there was another word before it, but she got the answer correct. Jake texts in morning show. Uh, boys, I used to work for an installer for that camera brand, Hikvision, I think it was called, went to a conference, and the government knew this years ago with four S's. So the government has known this for a while. And actually, I agree with you, Jake. I, I think the government has known this for a while. But as we can see, you know, we've got the U.S. diplomat Blinken. He is essentially not going over to China uh, last minute, we can see the government now retroactively identifying all these, quote, weather balloons as spy balloons. Uh, the crazy thing is, too, it's unequivocal. They're basically saying all of the weather balloons are spy balloons. 
So it's not just like retroactively, ah, oh, a few of them are spy balloons. It's like, oh yeah, now we know they're all spy balloons. Every single one of them. <laughs> it's like, what? Like we just are finding this stuff out. So Jake, I agree with you in that, you know, you, you were working for this company way back then. The government knew this years ago, but the difference is now the political, uh, landscape has changed. The mm-hmm. political atmosphere has taken a turn. And now people are a little bit more up in arms about the fact that they are sure of the fact that there are now Chinese spy balloons floating around there in the weather. Brett, mm. uh, you sent us another text. Sorry, man, you did not get the answer correct on that one. Wayne, you sent a text in. Unfortunately, that is also not correct on that one as well, too. These are, this is a tough one, guys. This is a very tough quiz. Janelle, you just sent in a text, and guess what? You got it right. So a few people uh, struggling with this one. And to be honest, Wayne, I gave the the same answer. And Brett, I also, my original thought was that was the one. Uh, So I would have gotten it wrong as well, too. So it was tough questions. I was incorrect for sure. I definitely was correct. I was just thinking like, and I kind of mentioned this towards the end of your news segment. Like we've seen what's happened with Russia, Russia's invade, invasion of the ukraine and how basically now they've been sanctioned against by the rest of the world and has literally led to a power electricity crisis that's now being solved because you know as soon as russia made the decision to invade ukraine and as soon as they went through with it like as as a result yeah the rest of the world just cut themselves off but interestingly russia still though the population of Russia is quite big, but at least they have a bunch of natural resources that can they can power themselves by if they take the Ukraine. That's what they call you know the breadbasket of that area as well. You're listening to the Breakfast Show. Contact us on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Essentially, they have the ability to be to have a sustainable war effort, even if they're cut off by the rest of the world. Versus China, which much of China's economy is based on foreign investment. They have a huge population. If Man, if China gets cut off by the rest of the world for, I don't know, invading Taiwan or Hong Kong or something, dude, it's over. I don't, I really no, don't think... No, no, there's I, no way. I don't think China has the ability to sustain a war effort. If they, if they get actually cut off? If they get cut off by the rest of the world? Yeah, right. but the crazy thing is, the, I don't know if the rest of the world can handle getting cut off by China. I, I, I think, I think we'll be able to manage. No, but like, if you, there's a book that was, it's a, it's an incredible book, incredible premise. It's a, it basically, I, I think the book is entitled, and I'm not sure about this, but is a this... year without China. Oh, okay. I and the book, say the book basically is goes along the premise of this person says, I'm going to live one year without buying anything made in China. And they barely could survive because like everything is manufactured and made in China. Like nah, they found bro, that's, a, that's basically my dad. What, what do you mean? He, he doesn't, he, he's, he, he lives like, that life. <laughs> he kind of lives that life. But that way, that being said though, that being said, like, for example, Apple is pulling, is trying to pull their manufacturing out of China. Like out of Shenzhen, uh, like really? Lo- when did that happen? This is this has been ongoing news. Like, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, we're we're not a politics podcast. We will get into our Bible study. 
but I just, I'm just, I'm thinking about the future and particularly based on what the Bible says about who the enemy will be at the end of time and who the opposition towards God's people. And you can read in Revelation 13 and do a Bible study through Revelation 13, which is something we've done on the show before. And definitely we can send you resources, but it's very clear that it's not China. No, for sure. Yeah. I want to be clear about that as well too. No. And I, and I think it's because of what I'm saying. China couldn't sustain a war effort. They just couldn't. And Because of all the external uh, economic resources that are being poured into it. That's what right. Saying. Yeah. And so, therefore, you know, I feel like in, in Australia, especially politically, what we're seeing now is we have lots of China hysteria. And that's being upped by all these spy balloons and whatnot of the the pressing force of China, but I sincerely, if if you look at how the structure of China, if you look at what it looks like, and also if we reflect on Bible prophecy as well, I don't think China is the superpower that everyone thinks it is, and I don't think it has the ability to invade the world like everyone thinks it does, because the exact same thing will happen to China that happened to Russia, but Russia only has the ability to survive because of natural resources. China does not. The thing that I'm just like thinking about, we're, we're talking about Bible prophecy as well too. The the reformers, the Protestant reformers, uh-huh. I tend to agree with them in their identification of really the Vatican being the Antichrist. Now, I know a lot of people might be blown away by that thought, but like this is John, you know, John Wesley, Zwingli, Martin Luther, you know, John Knox, like all of these guys, Calvin himself right? Calvinism comes from this. Like they all identified that the Vatican was this little horn power that comes up out of Europe in Daniel chapter seven, out of the 10 horns. They identify the Vatican nation, which is the little tiny uh, nation country there in the city of Rome as the Antichrist, right? Mm -hmm. So this isn't something that I'm just making up on the spot right here on Faith FM, you know, like, ooh, hot take. No, no. He makes up a lot of things, but this isn't one of them. (laughs) Yeah, this take is not hot. This is... This has been cemented in time for hundreds of years. (laughs) That is not a hot take. No, that is not a hot take at all. Like, the... when And so my point is, when you go on TikTok, when you go on Instagram, or you go on Facebook... Everybody is putting out all these like prophecy videos like this is the Antichrist, Trump is the Antichrist, Biden's the Antichrist, the CCP is the Antichrist, like everyone is everyone and their mother is the Antichrist on you know all the social media films. No, go to the Bible, study it out, and it identifies who it is very clearly over and over again in both Revelation twelve and thirteen and Daniel chapter seven, and we compare those two things together. You will come to the conclusion that the reformers came to as well. All the Protestant reformers who protested uh, the position that was taken by the universal church at that time, a.k.a. the Catholic church at that time. Mm. And the Vatican was identified as the, anti- the Antichrist, the, this beast power that was going to come up and rise up and uh, cause persecution to God's people who were following yeah. God's people, right? So... We're seeing spy balloons. We're seeing all this stuff. We're seeing, you know, the ramp up of like, is Russia the thing in the north and is China the it's China? Is China the beast from the south? You know, like, no, no, stop. Everyone stop. The Bible is very clear. It is the Vatican. 
from the very beginning, we've, we've said this for 400 plus years. For 400 plus years, this has been taking. And maybe, and maybe the response to that the thought is, oh, well, you know, we've, we've changed. Like the, the only other methods of prophetic interpretation, futurism and preterism essentially say that prophecy is either all happened at the time of Jesus, which there's just too much spiritualizing that needs to take place to get away with that. The very clear, plain statements of scripture. And I believe the same thing happens if you subscribe to futurism as well, which is essentially uh, Bible prophecy actually doesn't interpret or uh, interpret or prophesy anything because none of it is going to take place before Jesus comes back, um, which pulls Bible prophecy out of its essential usage, which is Jesus says in, I believe it's John chapter 14, verse 29, I tell you these things before they come to pass so that when they come to pass, you might believe. Amen. And here, like, you know, another thing is, Exactly what you're saying, futurism, which is a way to interpret the Bible, and preterism, which is another way to interpret the Bible. We're historicists. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a third way to interpret the Bible and to read the scriptures. But this is what happens. All of the Protestant Reformation were historicists. They're reading the Bible. They identify the Vatican as the Antichrist. And then they go, and then the Vatican goes, (laughs) we can't have that. So then the Vatican literally pays the wages of the scholars who then develop futurism and preterism, right? Mm. Follow the money here, people. Like the futurism and preterism. Follow the heresy here, people. They're literally created by the entity that is identified as the Antichrist to bring pressure off of them as the Antichrist, right? Like that's just like, classic 101 politicking happening right there. It's like, oh, oh, well, you think we're the, we're the power? Like, we're the ones? Well, well, this guy says differently. Like, but you pay that guy. Well, this other guy says this differently. Well, you also pay that guy. You're paying both of these people and you're, you're literally just trying to, uh, remove the magnifying glass and the microscope that has been put onto you. Uh, with all of your inquisitions and your persecutions that have happened. Like, if you go through the course of history, there is no entity mm. that has killed more Christians than the Vatican. That's Th- like, that's, that's just that's clearly, crazy. that is like historical fact. There is no institution on planet Earth that has killed more Christians than the Vatican. And that is including ancient Rome. Right. So these guys and ancient Rome was not very fond of Christians to say the least. Right. They were throwing them in the gladiator games and destroying their lives and and ruining them. But like, let's be very clear. The, the Vatican historically through the inquisitions, millions upon millions of people lost their life because they refused to acknowledge a God uh, greater than Jesus. Mm. They refused to acknowledge anyone on earth as their father because they only would accept their father in heaven. They made a conscientious decision that come what may, no matter how difficult the circumstances, we will follow the scriptures. We will follow the Bible and the Bible alone. We will not bow down to the mandates that are given by this institution, this catechism that has been given to go against the word of God. And, and, you know, we forget about this. We forget about this as Protestant Christians. We forget what we're protesting. Mm. We became Protestant Christians in the 1500s 
because we were protesting against the inaccurate interpretation of scriptures. So now, when you're a Christian today, look at the history and understand, as Protestants, we made a decision to say no longer will we bow down to the Vatican's demands. We are going to protest in the name of the scriptures. We are going to protest because we follow Jesus. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively oh, different. With Blake and Lawson and producer Shell producing it up. And Lawson. Over there in Newcastle. <laughs> yeah, and Lawson. I said Lawson. For yeah, sure. yeah, but I just, just wanted to throw you it You wanted to again. say it again. Okay, give us a quiz clue. Okay, our final clue for the quiz Point. for 100 points. Here we go. The number of New Testament books written by Luke. 0491. Zero six four six six nine. Now we're going to say, based on tradition and based on what we know about the Bible, there are some progressive scholars that would say that none of the books of the Bible were written by Luke, and Luke was made up. But based on actually, if you know, if we believe that the Bible is telling the truth, uh, how many of the New Testament books were written by Luke? Zero four nine one zero six four zero four nine one zero six four. Six six nine. Are you telling me that? Are you literally telling me that there's scholars who don't believe in, in Luke right now? They they think that like especially Luke was just like was written a couple hundred years later. Wow. Whereas that we have a perfect explanation for it, like within the Bible itself. It's like Matthew, Mark, and John were written by Jews, and Luke was written by a Greek convert. And yeah, yeah. There's nothing to su- suggest textually that it was written later. And furthermore, the information that the gospel shared about the world of the you know the Greco-Roman engulfed Israel and Ju- Judea at the time, the information that it shares about that is incredibly accurate. It would have been difficult for it to be made up even 200, 300 years later. It's unbelievable. It, it, people are always trying to just cast doubt on the Bible, and it's the book that just stands the test of time Amen. year after year after year. We have more copies of ancient scriptures than any other book ever written ever, and it's not a few more. It's like thousands more. Like literally we have like two or three copies of the Odyssey, you know, Homer's Odyssey or the, the Iliad, you know, ancient Greek texts, and then we have like over 1,500 copies of the scriptures like the 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 numbers just it's astounding like when i went Mm. to the ark encounter in kentucky they had a little like display on the difference between the amount of scripture scriptural copies that we have of original copies versus any other uh ancient document and it was just profound like when you Mm. see it you're like well clearly like this is this is something absolutely incredible that's that's going on uh and it's it's a god thing it's a spirit-led thing that we have so much evidence that the Bible is what the Bible says. Now, we're going to talk about a story in the Bible because we don't want to miss this out. We're going to talk about Lot's terrible decisions when Abram left his homeland in response to God's call, right? So he's got a little nephew, a little nephew named Lottie. Uh, he's, he chooses to go with him on the pilgrimage in Genesis 13. And then God blesses Abram to the point that he was so rich uh, in cattle and silver and in gold and then Lot also had flocks and herds and tents, and then they became so wealthy that their extensive livestock herds that they couldn't even dwell close together. Now, mm. 
I would actually uh, argue that it was Lot who couldn't live with Abram, not the other way around. Lot wanted to spread his wings and fly a little bit more. But Lot's boys and Abram's boys were not getting along very well. That is definitely the truth. And then in order to avoid that battle between the two, Abram actually then offers Lot the choice of, hey, where do you want to go? Now, in Hebrew culture, this whole story is off because it should have been, it should not have been Abram offering. Lot should have said, no, you're the elder. You choose where you want to go and I will take the other place, right? That's what actually should have happened. But but Lot was just greedy, gets all excited and says, yeah, okay, cool. I'm going to do this. So he he should have deferred to Abram. He doesn't uh, because, you know, he's young, he's ambitious, he wants everything for himself. And so he doesn't even show any gratitude to Abram at all. And then he selfishly desires to go and get the best land possible, which we find out is next to the valley or the city down in Sodom. Now, mm. we know what happened to Sodom. Not the best place to be, you know what I mean? But uh, easily he could have, like Lot could have easily uh, have justified his decision to move the city. Things didn't turn out so great for him there. And when Abram heard about what happened to him, he didn't say, oh, well, too bad for you, Lot. You know, you reap what you sow. Instead, he actually goes to the rescue. It's one of my favorite rescue stories. Abram, 300 of his boys, they go out, kick butt in the middle of the night. They battle against the five king army. Mm. Well, it's, it's four kings versus five kings, and uh, everyone's basically kidnapped. Mm. And then Lot and his family are rescued, right? Uh, and then that's a whole other amazing story. And they, But then he moves right back into Sodom after mm. the rescue. But that's a whole other story about tithe that's just incredible, but we're not going to get into that right now. It's just incredible that Lot decides to go back to Sodom after yeah. all of everything that happens. Like, are you kidding me? Like, you just had all this stuff happen. You're going to go... That's like go, a dog going back to the, the vomit that it, it mm. throws up. It's just like, I, yuck. I think if there's an application that we pull from this in regards to laying up treasure in heaven, from the beginning of the decisions that are made here, the beginning of the bad decisions being Lot's decision to move into the plains and then further into Sodom, it was completely and totally motivated by... His fantasy, uh, essentially, his fantasy, his eyes, he saw the planes, he saw that they were good, and he went into them uh, without considering the state of his own soul. And this was the difference with Abraham, and I believe it was, or Abram, I think it was a reason why he deferred the decision, and and now Lot could have deferred the decision back, and they could have made some wise decisions. And honestly, if, if they could have lived together, they could have both gone into the hills together and stayed as far away from Sodom and Gomorrah as possible. But but rather, they make their way, well, Lot makes his way into that city, motivated by not what is going to come in eternal life, but what he can gain in this life. Like Abram sees the mountains, and when Lot picks the plains, he could, you know, you know, bang his hand on the table and said, no, it's actually my right to choose. How dare you and just override his decision because he's the elder. But instead of doing that, he accepts it because he says, no, this will actually be better for the sake of me and my men for the sake of their souls. We'll go into the mountains. Uh, we'll go into the hills. Yes, it's less fertile. Yes, it's less abundant. Yes, we won't be as rich, but 
we will be closer to Jesus. And potentially that's a decision that you have to make in your life. Uh, Absolutely. That, that following Jesus more and more. might cost you opportunity. It might cost you riches and wealth, but you're making that decision actively because you're considering you know, where, where your stand is with God in regards to eternal life. And it could be a decision that you make for you. It could be a decision that you make for your kids as well. Thinking about maybe a place to move, a job to take, whatever it may be. But I think that Abraham is a really clear example. We saw his amazing, uh, the, the amazing way that he left his home yesterday to go and to seek God. But now we see the amazing work that he did the amazing decision that he made in choosing to go into the mountains for the sake of putting God first rather than the Bible says, the Bible says here in first John chapter two, verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world then the love of the father is not in him for Mm -hmm. all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father, but is of the world and the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who dwell, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Mm. Don't just follow the ways of the world because it feels good, looks good, sounds good. Follow the will of God. Follow the word of God and live your life according to the way that God wants you to live. You're listening to the Breakfast Joe podcast on Faith FM, positively different. I'd rather have Jesus. Genuinely, I used to listen to that song when I was a young boy living on the farm up there in Palisadro, Northern California. Uh, it was good times. I remember that I was, song very well as a young man. I was introduced to that song when I was actually living at Producer Shell's house. Really? I was staying there. 2017, I was a, I was a young boy. And uh, I, well, I was... 2017, I was 18. And... They had the sound system set up and they played that song a number of times. I'm like, wow, that's beautiful. Good times. Texas 0491064669. When was the first time you heard that song? Uh, we have, uh, and then Lawson, is that when you were converted to bluegrass? Yeah, that's right. That's when I became a like, like, uh, bluegrass okay. convert. That's right. And all I listen to is bluegrass now. That's, that's awesome. That's, no. that's actually not true. That was a lie. I, I listened. <laughs> I don't really listen to bluegrass at all, but I listen to bluegrass when I'm hanging out with producer shell and I think it's cool. So I'd never listened to bluegrass before that point, And now I do. Well, that's good. I'm glad to know that you've seen the light and bluegrass is just a beautiful a genre of music that, and I also love Alison Krauss as well too. talk about the quiz, man. I want to know, this is a controversial quiz. We've had a lot of text messages. What's going on with this quiz, man? Well, the answer to the quiz was the number two. And so, you know, there's two piles that Jehu puts the heads of the 70 princes in. What a uh, wild story, by the way. It was in Second Kings chapter two, where Elijah goes up into heaven on a chariot. Luke wrote two books of the New Testament and the number of times God inscribed his commandments on tablets of stone. Now, now this one's tricky, right? Because when he puts it on the blue stone, it's his finger. You know, Exodus yep. 20. But is it him that also inscribes it in Deuteronomy 5? 100%. It's God does it both times? Yes, both times. So, well, the the time that it's been, the Deuteronomy 5 is only a reference to the time that he inscribes it 
again the second time because here's what happens the first time it's on the 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 sapphire stones which we talked about a couple uh days ago uh but those are broken so he does that give he gives the stones to moses and he writes on them then moses brings up two tablets of stone after he breaks the sapphire ones he brings up two tablets of stone, and then God writes on those ones as well, too. So okay. those are the two times. That happen. Okay. Yeah. One time the stones is provided by God. The other time the stones exactly. is provided That's by the only Moses. Difference. Now, the but final the one. We... God writes them both times. Very uh-huh. important. Okay. Amazing. The other one we had here, the number of times Elijah called down fire from heaven to burn up. Now, I said the altar, and and that was one time. I actually, oof. I'm sorry, because I said the altar, but the question here I'm seeing now, I like read half the question. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what this talking about. It's the number of times that he sent down fire from heaven to burn up the soldiers. Because we know, so uh, he, on Mount Carmel, totally different. he calls down fire from heaven to burn up the altar. And then they execute the prophets by the river. Like they just, they just kill them. They, the prophets don't get burned by fire. But then we have the story in Second Kings where he calls down. There's there's the captains of the army wanting to talk to him, and he kills one group of fifty. Then another group of fifty. Well, God sends fire from heaven, and then the third group of fifty, the guys like, please, please don't kill us. Please respect. Like we we know that you can kill us. Like we're we're not trying to lure you or attack you. Please don't kill us. And then God says, all right, you know. Go to, go go and talk to them. I won't burn them up with fire this time. Yeah, so, that would be so crazy. Like, if someone actually had that power to do that, like outside of a prophet, like you know, that's like some crazy movie kind of stuff. Calling fire down from heaven—that's some scary mm, stuff. You know, mm. I think that these guys were so afraid and just saying, "Hey, please don't do that. Talk to the Lord on our behalf. Yeah. Please don't allow." Because the first two times they were not scared, and I think that's why, like, like the the point they were there to execute Elijah. You know, they were there. They were there to kill the prophet of God, and God kept them safe. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, heavy stuff. Very very heavy stuff. So I I just producer Shell. If someone got that answer on that time, at least give them half the points. If if they feel some kind of way about it, they can. You know. Give him half the points because Lawson just kind of led him on a journey there. Where we are in the middle of the night in Finland, but also early in the morning in Australia. Act faith, talk faith, live faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ right here. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.